Morning, everyone. The first reading today is, is Psalm 47, and in the small print Bibles in the pew in the chairs, it's on page 393, and in the regular print Bibles that I like to think of, it's page 884. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. For the Lord Most High is awesome, the great King over all the earth. He subdued nations under us, peoples under our feet. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved. God has ascended amid shouts of joy, the Lord amid the sounding of trumpets. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. The nobles of the nations assemble as the people of the God of Abraham. For the kings of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is Revelations chapter 19, verses 1 to 19. For those with keen eyesight, it's on page 869, and for our older citizens on page 1935. Threefold hallelujah over Babylon's fall. After this I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who was seated on the throne. And they cried, Amen, hallelujah. Then a voice raised from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who f fear him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold 
to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. There's a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He's dressed in a robe, dripped in, dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair, Come, gather together for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and the mighty of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, great and small. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on his horse and his army. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. Good morning, all. Morning. Good to see you all. We're turning to Psalm 47. Um, for those of us who are more senior in age, page 884, the rest of you can look for it yourself. <laughs> Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that those of us who trust in the Lord Jesus have been invited to a great banquet in heaven forever and ever. And we thank you for the joy that that brings our heart. But we have to live here for a while yet. So help us, Heavenly Father, as we look at your word as to how we might have joy in a very difficult world, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We all love good news, an engagement of a couple. Yay! A wedding. We might clap. I now present to you Mr and Mrs. Yay! A grandchild is born. The operation was a success, whatever it might be. A concert. Even Australia wins a cricket match. Yay! Bit of a shock. Psalm 47 begins, clap your hands, all you nations, shout to joy with, shout to God with cries of joy. We're unsure as to what the actual historical event was that the people are referring to here. It may have been a victory of the Israelites 
during the time of Hezekiah. But they're not sure, but whatever it was, the people gathered together and are clapping and giving high fives and shouting with joy to a God who has given them victory. The Israelites, we can see, see God not as just some petty ruler of a small tribe or a clan, but as it says in verse 2, for the Lord Most High is awesome, the great king over all the earth. And if you go through and look at other passages there, you'll see the emphasis on God being a king. I'll come back to it a little bit later on. And as we all know, it's easy when things are going well to acknowledge the power of God. If she says, yes, I'll marry you. Or the bank gives you a mortgage. Or we get a good report from the doctor, the operation was a success. It's easy for us to acknowledge the sovereignty of God and that God is good. You might go home from church. The fellowship might have been wonderful. You might have been inspired by Steve's sermon. You might have had a good conversation with someone and you feel the joy of the Lord and then you get home and somebody's left the stove on and the pot's burnt everywhere. Or the dog has chewed up your best blouse. Or you've got a phone call from the teenage son. He's run into somebody. Where's the joy of the Lord in that? For we live in a broken and divided world. And this morning I want to look at three people, four people, and be reminded from their lives of actually how we have joy when things aren't always going seemingly well or you're not on an emotional high. Think for a moment about the life of Joseph. It didn't look to him as if God was in control, as the psalmist says here. For, as you will remember, he was a bratish teenager who gave his brothers heaps and they, for their uh, vendetta, had him sold into slavery. There he was accused falsely of adultery with Potiphar's wife, spent time in jail. And yet... When he and his family are reunited, he could say this to his brothers. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being achieved, the salvation of others. So for Joseph, how does he have the joy of the Lord stuck there? in a pit in the ground, which was what prison was in those days. Constantly throughout the passages in Genesis that is written about him, he knew the presence of God. 
it says, and God was with him. If you look at the life of Jesus, you would think that evil men have got their way. Bad people winning over good people. The religious people and Pilate seem to win for this perfect person is crucified on a cross. But God, we know, reversed the decision and he raised Jesus from the dead and he has now, as we know, ascended into heaven where we who trust in him will one day go. Verse 1 tells us the people of God cry out with shouts of joy. Why do we cry out with shouts of joy? We cry out because whatever our circumstances, our God is sovereign. But not only is he a sovereign God, he is our heavenly Father in whose love we should sunbake. Jesus said, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you also. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, but, to, but let tomorrow worry about itself. Our God is sovereign in a difficult world. During the holidays, I read a book by Timothy Keller. Some of you may have read some of his books. It's called The Prodigal Prophet. It's about my favourite prophet, Jonah. Jonah is the only person who, only prophet who ever said no to God. And then my wife thinks that that's why I like him. <laughs> In the book, he tells of a fairy tale that he heard when he was much younger. And I want to read what he wrote. A witch lived in a remote cottage in the deep forest. When travellers came for lodging, she offered them a meal and a bed. It was the most wonderful, comfortable bed that they had ever slept in. But it was a bed full of deep, dark magic. And if you were asleep when the sun came up, you turned to stone. Then you became a figure trapped forever with this witch. This witch forced a young girl to serve her and although she had no power to resist the witch, she grew in pity for her victims. One day a young man came looking for a bed and was taken in. No longer could the servant girl bear to see him turn to stone, so she put sticks and stones and thistles in the bed. And while he was sleeping, he would toss them out and she would toss them back in. And so he had a terrible sleep. And in the end, he woke up before dawn. 
And as he was going out the door, he said to her, how could you let a traveller have such a dreadful bed? And she said, the misery you know now is, is nothing like a comfortable sleep would have brought upon you. It's a good little story, isn't it? It tells us that there are difficulties in our lives and God, therefore, is sort of putting sticks and stones in our beds to wake us up, to help us to rely on him. And that is where joy comes from in the end. For there will, as we know, be moments of great joy for us. Yay! But of course, there are difficulties at times in our world. So how do we keep a Christian equilibrium? One of the things we do is to remember that our God is in control of our sticks and stones. For there are times when we deal with issues that are not necessarily pleasant. But we know that God is there and in control. Secondly, we are reminded of the fact that we have a great inheritance. Look at verse 4 of Psalm 47. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob whom he loved. We may have victories in life, but in the end the greatest thing for us is our eternal inheritance. As 1 Peter one four reminds us, and it's interesting that Peter writes these words, I often wonder what was at the background of him writing it. When he was writing it, did he think back of the time where he denied Christ and then was reinstated? For it says, Peter writes and tells us that this is our future, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. Isn't that remarkable? That is ours. It won't perish. Rubber wears out. We don't live in Queensland because we know that the sun fades the curtains because of daylight saving. But things do fade here, don't they? They do spoil. But what have we got? We've got something that we keep? No. That God himself is keeping for each one of us in heaven. God gave himself the task of saving his people. And the, the Israelites reflect on that in verse 5. God has ascended amidst shouts of joy, the Lord amidst the soundings of trumpets. God gave himself the task of saving his people and the Israelites reflect on that 
and they speak of him as ascending a throne as the trumpets sound. But of course, to have ascended, he must have descended, which brings us to remember that Christ came into the world, died on the cross, and has ascended to heaven, where he sits now, and as we persevere in our faith, we can focus our eyes on things will be perfect for us. Christian joy is seeing and looking ahead as well. And the third thing that is important for us is seen for us and we're told in verse 8 that God reigns over all the nations. Well, that's good. But there's something more for us. The nobles of the nations assemble as the people of the God of Abraham. For the kings of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. I want us to think for a moment about Abraham. We've seen Joseph and Jesus and Peter. Think about Abraham. Way back in Genesis chapter 12, God takes him outside and says to him, look at the stars of the sky and I will make you a nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God makes a promise to this man, Abraham. And we are actually the living result of that promise. For he went on, God went on saving people till he's got down to this very moment where he continues to save and he continues to keep his promises to us. And if you think of Abraham for a moment, he had to rely on God's promises. Just think about it this way. It was a life of faith he led in the promises of God. A faith built on promises. Let me give you three quick illustrations from Abraham's life. God says to Abraham, go. What would have you said? I would have said, where? What does God say? I'll tell you later. Just go. A little later, God says to Abraham, you'll have a son. And Abraham says, oh, come on now, this is a bit rich. I'm a little bit old for this sort of thing. (laughs) And my wife is too. It ain't going to happen. you're going to have a son. And he does. And then the strangest of things. Abraham, take your son and go up on that mountain. Why? Just climb. I'll tell you later. 
And that's the way it is for us, isn't it? God doesn't always give us answers as we're doing. It's more we look back and especially we sometimes look back in difficult times and say, well, God, you provided then. You answered. You kept your promise. I'll keep trusting you now. And that's what verse 9 is getting at. It's a strange sort of a thing. It says the nobles of the nations assemble as the people of God of Abraham. So what the Israelites are saying is there are kings and queens, there are powerful people who have actually, because of our faith, have also come to a faith. And we can look at that. We might not agree with their politics, but you can look back throughout your life and think, well, yes, that Prime Minister was a Christian. That Queen was a Christian. That Premier was a Christian. That head of the Supreme Court was a Christian. That head of the United Nations was a Christian. That's what it's getting at. Is it, It's saying that. And it's making a contrast. God is sovereign as it goes through this whole verse and reminds us. But in the sovereign hand of God are all these powerful leaders who have been followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And why are they and why are we followers of the Lord Jesus? Because God made a promise to Abraham thousands of years ago and he is keeping that promise. That's what the people reflect on. For the kings of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. And so, my friends, through the good times and the difficult times. Rejoice. God is greatly to be exalted. That's why we sing, that's why we pray, that's why we hear God's word explained. In all those things on a Sunday, God is being exalted. But he is being exalted also as you live out your life faithfully, as you remember where real joy comes from. Real joy comes not from an emotional high but bearing in mind that our God is sovereign. Our Heavenly Father loves us, knows us and cares for us. That he is to provide for us an inheritance that is pure, spoiled and underfoiled and we are walking like Abraham in faith in a God who keeps his promises. I'll pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fact that we can cheer and clap when we hear good news. But victories pass quickly and fade. But Father, you never fade away. Help us, Heavenly Father, to continue to live joyful lives, remembering your sovereignty, remembering our inheritance, and being thankful that you are a God who keeps his promises. For we ask in Christ's name. Amen.